Welcome to Fill to Flourish with Luke and Lauren, where emotional health takes a stage and your story matters. Welcome back, everyone. We're so thrilled to have you here. We've been looking forward to this series for several months now. We've been planning it, um, just thinking about how valuable this content is going to be for you all. So very important topic to talk about. It is. And it's it's heavy. Yeah. And we want to do it well. We want to tread carefully, but also bring a lot of truth. And, and grace to this conversation. And so we have a really wonderful guest that I was hoping would be willing to come on for a while. And she graciously said, yeah, I would love to love to share with your audience. And before we introduce her, I just want to say, as you're listening, uh, this can be pretty heavy and can maybe even catch you off guard. So just pay attention to yourself, care for yourself as you're listening. Uh, don't be afraid to take breaks, take uh, small bites of this, um, and just ultimately just put yourself first as you're going, as we are talking, as you're listening. So now, Lauren, go ahead and invite our special guest. Okay, so Heather is a mother of three young adult sons who are quite handsome. I saw their picture. (laughs) She lives in Virginia and she is an abuse survivor and now an advocate, a powerful advocate for other women. She's the host of Held and Healed podcast, which is wonderful. And we will link it in, in the description. She also offers group coaching and she has an online group on Facebook that is almost a thousand people. And this is a huge, huge resource for those that find themselves in abusive relationships and situations. So we will have those resources connected and we will hook you up with all that Heather has to offer. But let's jump into the conversation and welcome Heather as we discuss the patterns and systems of abuse. Hey, Heather. Thank you guys so much. Oh, it's our pleasure. So we, we told Heather this already, but we are in a holiday weekend in Thailand and they have lights and fireworks and lanterns and all kinds of celebratory sounds happening in the background so if it's um if you hear that if you happen to hear that just know there's no like bomb going off in the background it's just fireworks fun times yeah our kids are all out enjoying that now and we um we're chatting so (laughs) And, and I may have a train go by at any moment too. So <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Yes. The beauty of talking to real people in real time. <laughs> okay, Heather, why don't you jump in uh, and share any, anything you want to share before you jump into the, the points, the numbers. Okay. Well, I thank you guys both so much. I've been enjoying, um, I forget if I'm like on episode six, somewhere in the beginning, and I've listened to some of your more current podcasts. So I am so grateful for what you all are doing. I love that you do it as a couple. Um, So much power in that. So um, I am basically what I say is when the light started turning on for me, I wanted to go and turn on the switch for every other person who was still in the fire. So I am about five years out and I have learned so much. I became just a sponge, a sponge Mm. for knowledge, a sponge for advocacy, a sponge for just understanding the different things that I've walked through. And that so many women, when we say the group's almost a thousand, we haven't even scratched the surface. Like there's so many women, especially in faith communities. That's who I primarily uh, work with who have been abused. And then they've had secondary abuse by their faith communities. I got certified as an advocate through Give Her Wings Academy, which is an incredible way to get a foundation laid. It's a full one-year program, and we hear from different people every single week. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there going, this isn't just for me. This is not just for Heather. This is for, and I could name off dozens of women as I was listening. Mm -hmm. And so I started this online Facebook group, and it's just grown because there's such a need. So the resources that I have learned from and gleaned from, I just plug into this group and the women are getting validation. They're feeling seen and heard and loved on and understood for the first time in their lives. Wow. That is amazing. I've never heard of that. Uh, the Academy. The Academy. That's so cool yeah. that, that that resource is out there. And what a resource, like you said, there's so many women out there suffering and 
just evidenced by you start a group and it's this jumps up and yes it is just scratching the surface but what a great service that you offer to be a safe place to create that safe place to for people to be held in such a painful place and and to be healed in that and that pro- healing start the healing process in the um, context of community yeah. it's so beautiful it's right. exactly how we're designed like the very thing that that destroys us and that breaks us can also yes. be healthy relationships life-giving relationships right. can bring that deep connection and healing and I'm just so so thankful that you are offering that we're so we just we just can't if you saw through our voices the smiles we're just gonna be like just feeling so much (laughs) gratitude Luke Luke's been counseling for almost 10 years and he's just come across so many people in abusive situations or with abusive pasts and they have so rarely found support it's just been so uncommon so finding people that are so passionate about giving that wholehearted support is amazing it's yeah very uh encouraging yeah so Um, it is it is and um, someone wrote to me the other day because i welcome the new people every monday into the group with a post and she messaged me she said heather i get so sad when i see that welcome post because it shows like how many women need this group yeah and it is it's very bittersweet so sad in that there are so many women who have been through this but it's also encouraging that they have found a place so they can exactly. they can land and they can find hope and healing yeah the academy that you mentioned is is that specifically for people who want to be advocates or is that like for healing so that is for helpers. And, okay. you know, a lot of people who are still like healing, because, okay, let's go back to my name of my group. Held is what we have always been. I believe that God has always held us. Okay. I just believe that. And I understand for people who have been brutally spiritually abused, they don't see God. That's, I give space for that. Obviously held is what I've always been healed is where I'm going. Mm. We know that healing healing is a journey. So it's this, I've always been, and I will be. So that's where wow. I came up with the name. So a lot of people who are still very much in the throes of healing come into that. And so they've actually adapted it now where they talk about self-care at the beginning of the academy instead of at the end. And I really like the way that they do, they do that now so that if it's extremely triggering for you to hear about all these different things, they've already given you a groundwork for self-care before you even start. So um, I have... A, quite a few women that are in my group that are going through it right now. And so you think about how I took the course and I started this group. And if each person just touches, you know, another life or 10 other lives, like the ripple effects that go from here. So much freedom, the potential. Yep. Okay. Thank you for that background. All right, Heather, preparing everybody for what we're going to go through. You're going to share 13 specific types of abuse, I believe. We just want to invite you to go ahead and start wherever you want to start, and we'll just have that conversation. Okay. Well, again, I thank you all for giving me this opportunity. I basically am a resource of resources, so I share from all the people, and I am just grateful. We're such a team. Um, I don't feel like there's competition. I feel like we know that there's enough work to be done that we do not need to compete, and so I feel this just real sense of community as we come together. So today I'm gonna be sharing from one of my favorite people, Sarah McDougall. She co-wrote a book that I believe I can get these other authors' names correct. Um, She co-wrote the book, Safe Churches, Responding to Abuse in the Faith Community, written by Sarah McDougall, Jennifer Jill Schwarzer, I believe, and Nicole Parker. So. I am pulling from pages 66 to 70 and something in the back, and it is a section that is called Understanding the 13 Patterns of Abuse. And as we said earlier, there's going to be a lot of information, specific examples in each category. If that gets to be triggering and you feel yourself having a physical response, 
please take time to, you know, push pause, take care of yourself, go walk, get some sunshine, pet your dog, whatever, and come back to it um, and just do it in little bite-sized pieces. I do this all day, every day. So for me, it's getting less and less triggering, but hearing it for the first time in one place can be a bit overwhelming. So a little bit of a disclaimer, this is from page 66 and 67. They say, now let's look at how the patterns of abuse play out in real life. Though this book has an emphasis on sexual abuse, Sarah McDougall has documented 12 fundamental patterns of abuse, which all revolve around a 13th pattern, the core attitude of entitlement and the right to take power over another person. So that's where we get the number 13. Before we delve deeper, it is important to acknowledge that every human alive has the capacity to be abusive given the right circumstances. If we define abuse purely as a single action or one discrete occurrence of a behavior, then every time you behave badly, you could be labeled an abuser. That is not how abuse is defined. Uh, people don't automatically become abusers every time they feel self-centered or act impatient. Really, really important thing because I know all my empaths are going to be going, check, I did that, check, I did that. That's not what we're talking about. Rather, as we discuss later in this chapter, abuse is defined as a system or pattern of behaviors in which someone with greater power uses their advantage to exploit or cause harm to someone with lesser power. When a system of persistent power ex exploitation exists, now you are dealing with an abuser. Mm. So that is our disclaimer because I know I can already see the wheel spinning. And I did this when I first saw this list. I was like, but I did that and I did that. Does not automatically mean you're an abuser because when someone who is caring and compassionate does these things and they realize they've done them, they want to make things right. Whereas an abuser doesn't care and mm. they just keep piling on. So there are 13, so there's 12 patterns that all revolve around <clears throat> the 13th power, um, control mindset of power abuse and entitlement. So number one, and these lists are not exhaustive. We're just giving examples in each category to help you understand what this looks like. So in pattern number one, we have child abuse, and this may include threatening to harm children, not paying child support belittling you in front of your children, leveraging children to keep you silent, abusing other people's children, or scaring you or hurting you in front of your kids. Those are all examples of what the category of child abuse may look like. So for me, the first time I saw this list, the one that really, really jumped out at me was not paying child support. I don't know that I would have ever thought of that as a form of child abuse before. And yeah. there are so, so many women that I know who are going through this and barely able to make end meets, uh, ends meet. And a lot of women stay in abusive situations because of finances. Yeah. And so once they are finally apart from their mm -hmm. abuser and they're not you know, getting, receiving the child support, it is, it's a form of child abuse. I think it makes sense if you think about what it is foundationally it's neglect right and abuse and neglect those those are both have been found in research neglect has been found as to be just as abusive as you know direct abuse so they're not they're not caring for their children in the most foundational way of like providing well, if you think of maslow's um hierarchy of needs like safety food the, those things the are physiological being, needs being met first and if that's not being met then then there is a, a lack of safety wow. and lack of safety is what creates a traumatic experience right right and just like so many people think about abuse as broken bones and bruises right and even, even abusers would be like well i don't abuse because i didn't put my hands mm -hmm. on i was hearing about one situation where the water and the electric was being turned off constantly and this person was like that doesn't bother my kids and i'm like uh yeah it does <laughs> like when you don't know when you wake up if you're going to be able to take a shower before you go to school and yes that affects kids greatly yeah, yeah. as you were mentioning even before you, you started last when you're talking about the difference between like a pattern is, is, is what is important when you see an abuser. When you were saying that, and as I hear these, some of the, as we go through this and even some of those I, I hear, uh, John Gottman, he does research on, on marriages and he talks about the differences of abuse as 
a situational abuser and a characterological abuser. And so is that kind of what you mean by like situational abusers? Like they were stressed, they lashed out. And characterological abuser is somebody that's intentionally using power in a situation and lording it over them so that it hurts people. Right. And we're not saying that every parent who has lost electric and power is an abuser. We're not talking about that. We're just saying for those who refuse to pay the bill when they have the means to do it. There's an intentionality. That that is a power. Yeah. A power struggle. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So number two, cultural abuse. This was a new one for me. I had not really thought about this, but this is really has some clarity. So mistreats you and then blames it on culture, demeans your heritage, forces you to embrace their culture, isolates you from mainstream culture, uses expectations or shame to keep you silent, isolates you through language barriers, or insults your family culture as inferior to theirs. So I've heard stories about uh, people who are, um, you know, they marry someone who is from another culture and they'll be in a family gathering where everybody there has the capacity to speak English, but to leave her out, they speak in their native language just to leave her out and to make her feel like an outsider. And that's just mean. (laughs) She may not be able to pick up their language, you know, immediately. Mm-hmm. And so with you guys living in another culture, I'm sure you could add a lot of things to this list of what it's like to live in another culture and how you just feel. So you already feel so isolated because mm. you're not from that culture, but someone who is intentionally trying to keep that person on the out mm-hmm. and, and make them feel inferior. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That list is, wow. There's a lot there. Yeah, there is a lot. I'm surprised by what you said. I think the one that that kind of popped out was like isolating you from mainstream culture. I'm just picturing so many scenarios and situations I've seen where you can tell that their world is getting smaller and smaller and everything around them is being not okay. And so Mm -hmm. they have to stay in this little tiny bubble in mainstream culture is they have no access to it anymore, which also means they have limited access to even human, you know, like people who could possibly be resources beyond that, that culture that may be more patriarchal or oppressive. Um, Right. Yeah. So I think of a lot of church cults when I think of this. Mm-hmm. And even the first four letters of the word cultural is cult. And that is sometimes that just the reality that just hits me like between the eyes, like that is significant. And these extremely conservative church cultures that just isolate and insulate and, and keep people inside this bubble. And yeah. um, they become very, very abusive in nature. And when you think about culture as such a foundation of who you are, and if you manipulate that or withhold that or demean that, it's such a foundational attack on, on a person that it does surprise me that that's on the list in one sense, because I didn't, you don't really think about it necessarily, but I'm glad it's on the list because yeah, that is such a foundational attack on the identity of a person. It's a powerful blow on somebody because you can't change yeah. that. You can't right. not be who you are. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And Sarah took like we, we a lot of us are familiar with the, the Duluth power and control wheel. So she took that wheel and she just expanded into some other category. So for those who are familiar with the power and control wheel, it's just like that on steroids. So mm. adding some of these other categories in gives some clarity. Maybe yeah. these would fit into some of those categories, but it just kind of opens and expands. So um, number three is emotional abuse. This one is really hard for a lot of people. This is going to hit home with a lot of listeners. Invalidates your perceptions of reality, insults you, and then says, I'm joking, denies affection or goes silent, manipulates you with false guilt, flips the argument back on you, acts possessively but calls it protective, vacillates and creates a relationship roller coaster, blames you for things that are not your fault, refuses to take responsibility for what they did, says sorry and promises to change, but doesn't, and then withholds non-sexual affection. Okay, that's a lot right there. I know that's a lot. A couple of disclaimers here. 
If you live with an abuser and you do not feel physically or sexually safe with your abuser and you do not want to be with that person, that does not mean you're an abuser. So when it says withholds, um, denies affection or withholds non-sexual affection, Mm -hmm. we are talking about, again, the power and the control. But if you are someone who feels unsafe with your abuser, that may be a consequence of the abuse. That does not mean you're an abuser. So I have to interject that right there. And anybody who is familiar with gaslighting, that's where this falls in. And I didn't didn't know five years ago what gaslighting was. Hmm. I had lived with it all of my life, but I didn't know it had a name. And I didn't know that somebody out there called it for what it was. So um, you may want to ex- explain gaslighting more in detail as your profession, probably you could do that. <laughs> uh, that was a, that was the word that came to my mind as you were describing it. I'm like, that's gas- gaslighting and gaslighting is basically just making you second guess your reality and your experience. Like you were saying, like trying to, I don't remember all, all the, the examples, but just this, you, ex- you think this is happening and someone's like, that's not your, that's not really what happened or belittling you and saying just kidding and so it takes out away that that right to be hurt by it and and if you are hurt by it then it's your fault it's not my fault I'm not taking responsibility of of the pain of the of my actions but rather I'm putting my the uh the effects of my actions onto you it's crazy making Well, I was just going to say in some circles that's what we call it crazy making because the person who actually is sane and well and wants wellness ends up being made to be the crazy person. Right. And so the term, the term crazy making, yes, is, is one that we are quite familiar with. And honestly, when I would get in arguments with people like this, I would not know what day it was. I would not even know what my original complaint was. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing too, is if you find yourself really struggling, this was something that I dealt with. If you find yourself really struggling to apologize to an abuser, this is why (laughs) you Mm -hmm. may be convicted in your spirit that something you did or said was not okay. But to apologize to an abuser means you're going to apologize for one thing and you're going to get a list of 10 things you did wrong. It's not safe. It's just not safe. So I could find myself when I messed up with my kiddos, I could find myself being able to apologize to my children. But when it came to these other people, there was something in me that like I broke out in a cold sweat and my heart was pounding. I was like, I can't apologize to them because now I understand reactive abuse as well. (laughs) I understand that sometimes my response was because of their abuse, um, which is a whole different topic. But I couldn't, I just couldn't bring myself to put the words out there because if I said I was sorry for this thing, then I was going to get a list of 10 things I had done wrong. Everything from back to the day I was born was going to be thrown in my face. (laughs) So yeah. that may be, that may be a sign that you're being emotionally abused. Yeah. Yep. I love the, clar- the clarification you made for the um, like withholding sex because or that, just affection or affection because that could be gaslit. Like, oh, I only did that because you're holding this affection from me. Right. And when you're right. holding it, but she's holding the affection away because of the lack of safety, because of uh, trying to find safety, because. I don't want to hear the 10 things I did wrong. That's and right. That's kind of like the gas lighting and a way that they can switch it around on you and make you question like, wait, I'm trying to protect myself, but that's wrong. And mm-hmm. so I mm-hmm. love the clarification you made to give yeah. that freedom. Really, really important. Yeah. So important because most of us are like, but I've done that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I'm an abuser and that's not, not true. Yeah. Two, I would just add quickly, I would say, apologizing is a a willing sharing of power. It's a vulnerable like surrender. And when it's not safe to share power, like this isn't because you're stubborn and don't want to apologize. This is because who you're offering like that vulnerability of shared power with has not been safe with power. You know, that's a healthy boundary, right? It makes perfect sense that that would just feel completely unsafe because it is completely unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. We validate anybody who's listening. We validate. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Number four. And again, you can grab Sarah's book, Safe Churches. This is all in there. And I have a PDF um, of this in my group too. So if you want to see it all written out. Number four, financial abuse. So this is one that I was never taught about. Limits your money, refuses to share accounts, tracks every penny you spend, but then spends impulsively and incurs debt. So there's like a double standard there. Interferes with welfare or state aid. Makes all the financial um, decisions, lies about money, time, and activities. So financial abuse is real. And if you're just as a woman, and I typically speak to women, so it's not meant to be offensive to men who have been abused. That's just who my audience is. So if you are a woman and you are only given a small allowance by your husband, you are probably being financially abused. You should have shared finances should be something that you do together. You work at as a team and you, you do that together. And so if you don't even know what he makes, you don't have any idea what kind of investments or accounts he has, it's probably an indication that there's financial abuse taking place. Yes. It can be tricky, like with culture, not knowing that you're coming from abusive culture or like uh, not realizing role expectations, it can be so set up for that, for one, for you just to submit to that or somebody just to give into that power. Like, yeah, I, or I'm not good with money. So and not realizing that there is control there. And just to speak to the mothers who are stay-at-home mothers, like we value that, we honor that. And if someone were to take a piece of paper and write down what you are worth on an hourly rate for house cleaning and for taking care of children and for educating children and for running errands and for cooking, there is no way that any person could afford everything that a stay-at-home mother does. So we are here to give value Mm. to that woman. And and she feels, she may feel like she doesn't contribute financially, but he could not do what he does and afford to keep a roof over your head if he was paying someone to do all the things that you do. So you have value, you have worth, and you should be a part of making those decisions with him. That's that's your contribution. It's substantial, substantial. Mm -hmm. Now there's something to... Just the, like as a, as an adult, the freedom to just have hobbies, have freedom of choice and have things that you enjoy doing and being able to do them and not have to have permission. I talk a lot about being abused as a child or having trauma as a child is, is losing, losing connection with yourself and translating that to a, a wife with going through like financial abuse. It's you have to deny your identity, your interests, your desires, your wants, and you're losing yourself. And I, I've had wives tell me, like, I don't, I don't know who I am. Right. Yeah. I don't know so, what I like because I'm, I'm not allowed to like something. Right. And, and so just empowering, so again, just empower women, people that it's okay to be human mm-hmm. and to have interests. And to want to buy something, right, even on this early right. moment, that's not, that's not, that's right. not irresponsible. No. And it's okay. If you say like, there's a limit, like that you decide anything over 50 bucks, we talk to each other or anything over a hundred, we, we, we discuss it and we decide together, but you should be able to go out to a meal with your friends and not worry about getting in trouble. You should be able to buy yourself a new outfit and not worry about being berated or abused for that. So yep. yeah, there needs to be some freedom and some um, flexibility there. Absolutely. Okay. Number five, intellectual abuse, um, demands perfection, insists on proof of your rights to opinions, dumbs you down. They're intimidated by your mind. They attack your ideas, devalue your convictions refuses to allow you to disagree, manipulates information flow, invalidates others if they point out abusive behaviors, or judges others for small mistakes, but gives self 
grace for moral failures or rule breaking. So that's kind of where we get the speck in the eye, the plank thing that the Bible talks about, where people can see this little teeny tiny thing that's wrong with you while they completely overlook this massive, massive sin in their own lives. Mm. So again, with the double standard. So um, this one is really, really heavy. And Another thing I really want to point out is this was really news for me. It's something I learned in the um, Give Her Wings Academy is that abusers target a specific type of person. They target really loving and smart and self-sacrificing and forgiving people. Like they, they know who they're getting (laughs) and it makes my heart break. How many women feel that they are so dumb and so unable and, you know, just incapable because they've been in this type of relationship, but they're really brilliant, capable, smart. A lot of them are educated individuals. So yeah, I just I just want to speak that out that if you have been abused by someone and you have been manipulated by someone, it's not so much what's wrong with you, it's what's right about you that attracted them. And that was like that was just that was like a real light bulb moment for me. Yeah. Yeah, just to see your value and your worth and it's going to take some time to unpack that. If you have been, you know, belittled for long periods of time, it takes a while to see your value and your worth, but you are valuable and you are worthy. There's a couple of things with that one that jump out at me. One, the intentionality of, again, demeaning somebody so they can't leave. Like if you don't think you're capable of leaving, you never will leave. Right. And that power that you that it gives the abuser to continue the abuse. And uh, secondly, certain, I I feel like maybe more religious groups, this might be more popular in religious groups in the sense of, and in in patriarchal or misogynistic cultures where women aren't allowed to have intelligence, (laughs) like they're just, women aren't intelligent. They have nothing to offer. So anytime a woman does, it's like, oh, stop. Me and Lauren have run into this in several situations where one, because Lauren's very intelligent, very capable. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's also well-spoken and I'm more quiet and introverted. And so when people see us, it's like, oh, Lauren, it just doesn't know her spot place. Mm -hmm. Oh, Luke, you just don't know. You just, you don't wear the pants in the family or you really need to get Mm -hmm. her under control. And and it's, so it's, it's not me abusing her, but it's very much uh, the intellectual abuse of in certain situation cultures that breed people like this mm-hmm. Absolutely. who will Absolutely. try to uh, take away value mm-hmm. from a from a woman who has a lot to offer mm-hmm. it's like a disarming if, if we can take away all of your your faculties all of your tools all of the goodness that you have then we can control and manipulate you to be what Mm -hmm. we want you to be, which has been happening to women from the beginning of time. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And what your audience cannot see is me nodding, nodding, nodding (laughs) with everything, everything that you guys are saying. And it's so, it's just so refreshing to be with people who get it Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. people who understand it, people who are not fighting or resisting this knowledge and, and, and bringing this to light. Like you guys are, are giving women and men, you're giving people a place to feel their, their val that their, their feelings are valid and their experiences were real. And maybe somebody's listening for the first time that has never had anybody say these things are wrong. Yeah. And we see you and we want to help you see your value and your worth. Absolutely. So number six was kind of new to me in some ways, pets and property abuse confiscates your keys, ID, driver's license, damages your car, refuses to keep it maintained, trashes your favorite things, and then says it was accidental, harms your pets or gives them away, Hmm. uh, punches walls, slams doors, controls your access to electronics, or just simply threatens to do any of the above. So I guess the parts about this that were just kind of, you know, new for me was the concept of just the threat. The threat itself is abusive. 
someone who has power and control over you does not have to lay a hand on you to terrify you. Yeah. A look in the eye, a posture, a stance that can send terror just through your veins, even without the the punch. Mm-hmm. And and abusers know that. And so it may not be illegal to put a hole through the wall, but the message, the same message is sent mm-hmm. as putting a you know a, a fist in your face. And then the other part, I'm sure you guys have done tons and you know a lot about trafficking of human beings. So the whole thing about keeping your keys, your ID, your driver's license, like we know that's one of the key components to people being stripped of their their dignity when they're trafficked is their documentation is taken from them. And and this is happening in domestic situations as well. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah, this is heavy. So again, we tell you to breathe. And um, if you need to take a break, um, just maybe for the first time, you're realizing that some of these things have been happening in your life. And I don't know who is listening from what culture or which you know place around the world, but here in the US, we do encourage at least calling in to 911 when there is a physical assault um, because it needs to be documented. So maybe the first time, and we haven't even gotten to physical, but that's next. So we'll kind of just bleed into that. And I know that every situation is different. Some women that would put them in a very dangerous, precarious place to call and report, and it would make things worse. So you have to know your situation and we can't make blanket statements or blanket recommendations. Um, The domestic violence abuse hotline, if you guys could list that, that of course would just be for the US though. So I don't know. But yeah, we know that every situation is a little bit different and we don't want to put anybody in harm's way. But it's been said that just, you know, reporting the the incidents, um, then at least it's on file and it shows a pattern. Yeah. So maybe the first time they're going to get a warning. The second time they may spend a night in jail. But if it becomes this pattern over time that, you know, and we all know that the systems are flawed. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, justice is not always served, but um we want you to know that that's not okay. And you don't deserve to be intimidated in that way and live in fear of the person that was supposed to protect you. Yeah. Uh, So that bleeds into number seven, physical abuse. So this was a light bulb moment. Drives recklessly and has road rage. Now, again, just because you have driven recklessly or had road rage occasionally does not mean you're an abuser. (laughs) But if you are in a vehicle with someone and they are doing this and you are saying, I do not feel safe, please pull over, please let me out. I'm, I'm scared for my safety and for the kids. That is abuse. So very different than just occasionally getting mad because somebody cut you off or pulled out in front of you or whatever. Um, doesn't mean you're an abuser just because you have on occasion had road rage. Other examples, disturbs your sleep, chokes, restrains, or controls your breath, blocks your exits or won't let you leave, prevents you from getting medical care, and I would include prevents the kids from getting medical care, throws things, uses items other than their hands to cause you pain or fear, slaps, hits, kicks, punches, bites, pinches, or spits on you, locks you out of the house or makes you sleep outside, doesn't control their own strength when they're being playful and then is indifferent if they cause pain or postures themselves aggressively to intimidate you. So that is a loaded, loaded list. But I go back to the disturbs your sleep. So we have learned that you can go for a long time without food. You can go for a short time without water, but you really cannot go long without good sleep, without really beginning to lose your mind. (laughs) And those of us who had babies and didn't get sleep through the night, we, (laughs) ah, we know that we just didn't feel like ourselves. We were zombie mombies, right? So if someone is keeping you up and refusing to let you get proper rest, that's a form of physical abuse. So that that was kind of enlightening to me. Wow. It's, I thought like the way they listed things that caused a physical effect to you, regardless of hands on your body, that that's just so clarifying, like locks you outside. So you have to sleep outside. That's actually not touching you, right? But right, it's a that's right. Physical impact on your right. your person, 
and that just I appreciate the um specificity right like just just to think of different ways that this can look like Mm -hmm. that are still very much physical abuse um right uh, something happens and then oh well we can't you know I was too hard on the kids, AKA I abused them and they had an injury, but we can't take them into the doctor because I don't want anyone looking at me. So we're, I'm blocking medical care. So there's right. like two physical abuses from that. I mean, just, wow. Or even when your kids are sick and they won't let you take them to the doctor mm. and you as a mama are terrified because your kid is having trouble breathing, you know, like that's not okay. That's not okay. Like let them get the care they need. And another thing I was really privileged to have some one-on-one coaching with Sarah McDougall. And she helped me to see, I think it was my first session with her. The physical abuse also translates into living in constant fight, flight, freeze mode. And then the chronic illness that comes from your body being in that state of shock all the time. And that's another form of physical abuse. Yeah. Yeah. So to anyone who is out there who has lived in that and has chronic illness, that is just another thing you can add to this category. Mm. Mm, of physical abuse. Yeah. And, and chronic it physical is affecting abuse. Your physical, it's affecting yeah. your physical body. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yep. Chronically. Wow. Yeah. And so many of the women, oh my lands, it makes me sad. So many of the women in my groups are just dealing with horrific, horrific issues and the, the flip side is so many, once they get out of that situation, they begin to heal in every mm. way. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's like the body just begins to heal because it's not in that fire constantly. Yep. That not saying, so I'm sense. not saying that the minute you walk out that you're no. better, I'm not, I'm not going to say that, no. but years of taking care of yourself, learning about self-care, learning about, you know, making your medical things priority, getting to those appointments, seeing those specialists, investing in your health and doing the things and taking care of your body that in time, there's amazing transformation in their physical bodies. Yeah. I, um, I don't know if, if I've shared with you, I think I might've just that I'm in the integrative health world and I've just been researching and actually doing a program for myself personally, but in this last year, learning how much nervous system regulation impacts every single system of the body. If your nervous system is picking up on anything in your environment that is not safe, anything, like this is how we were created, it cannot be regulated in that place. So just right there alone, that means your digestive system, that means your hormone levels, that means your um, your anxiety or depression or all of these body things that happen they cannot find regulation if you're not in safety, mm-hmm. the perception, the reality, any, if you're not experiencing safety in your body, you're going to have physical symptoms. There's no way around it. So it makes sense why, why over time, even a couple of years of this, let alone decades, right. chronic illness is going to develop. Yeah. It is just the natural, it's science. Yeah. Like that's what the body is made to yeah. do. Yeah. And when I realized that I had been walking around for 15 years with, at the time I was just calling it PTSD, but then I learned about complex later. Right. They, they, the original source that taught me that what I had been through and what I had walked through had all the same symptoms as PTSD. And he said six months of undiagnosed, untreated PTSD will do horrible things to your body. And I was like, try a lifetime, 15 years, you know? there was a lot of, of undoing some serious damage that needed to be done. Yeah. So for me to be five years out and be where I am is pretty amazing because I was, you know, I was 42 at that point and a lot of stuff had happened for 42 years. So 42 and five is still pretty good. Right. The word survivor has earned every single aspect of that because it is like a surviving on every level physical emotional spiritual mental psychological it is yeah it's just it's profound it needs to be celebrated all right so we'll let you go on to um number eight pattern eight Okay. Pattern eight is psychological abuse. And we actually talked a little bit about gaslighting earlier. So here it is. Gaslights you says, or does things and then denies it later, terrorizes you, then acts like it never happened, 
controls minute aspects of your life, such as food, fun, friends, et cetera. And that can kind of go back up to the financial abuse category as well. Projects responsibility for their addiction onto you or others. Claims that you misunderstood when you quote back their threats. Displays weapons as a way to keep you afraid. Convinces you that they know better than you do. Controls your access to food, freedom, or eating. Tells bold or white lies. Reverses questions to make you feel paranoid. Oh, yeah, that one. Uh, demonstrates lack of empathy. Can't discern your emotions accurately or threatens to hurt or kill themselves or others. Again, just the threat of that is terrorizing. So we, we talked a little bit earlier about gaslighting and that whole um, invalidates your perception of reality. They'll say something and then deny it terrorizing you than pretending like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. There's the crazy making again. Mm -hmm. um, again, with the control over those little things where you can't even, you know, have time for your friends or fun or going out to eat without paying a price. Um, then that whole concept of like, they have an addiction and it's somehow your fault. If you didn't do this, or if you did this, I wouldn't, that's not, that's not great. The thing about weapons and displaying them um, as, a, as a means to terrorize you and make you afraid. Bold or white lies. So you really honestly just don't know yeah. if they're capable of telling the truth because they've told so many. And I think in a lot of ways, they begin to believe the lies. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't even know what's truth or lies anymore themselves. And I think one of the things that a lot of women say that I meet with is I'm confused. I like confused about everything. I don't know what I should be doing. I don't know what to believe. I don't know if he's, if he's telling the truth, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. I don't know what I'm confused. And that's a perfect place for abuser to have an abusee is off their game and not knowing what step to take next. Yeah. What's up from down. Yeah. And, and like you were mentioning, there's, what was that, that uh, number eight called? psychological it was psychological mm -hmm. um it seems like there's in that one specifically there's a lot of overlap of there's some overlap of previous ones that we've talked about like financial and forgetting some of the other ones but um just a lot of control there's a lot of physical ones in there that physical. do affect the psychological yes. yeah right yeah. yeah and so like some of these are layered abuses and so it's not like, oh, there's, he, he's doing this. So it's a one abuse. Like, oh, he's doing this. And it's, it's affecting me in four, five different ways. Right, right. And, and sometimes we miss the weight of that, those actions of, of, we see it at face value. But once we take a step back or even look at it a little bit deeper, a little bit more, it's like, that's very intentional to attack you that way because of the different, how many different ways it harms you. Mm. That one, uh, as I was listening to you, that just kind of jumped out at me of the heaviness of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, it. Wow. I'm glad you said reminded people to take lots of deep breaths. I feel like that the psychological abuse. It's almost like a scary movie. Like mm. there's no chainsaws, but you just you're in this game. And your sense, like the basic sense of knowing what is going on, that's like a fundamental human, human right to just have a sense of reality and to be able to navigate in your world, knowing who you are, who they are, you know, just like basic relationship, like mm -hmm. foundations, all of that being eroded and it just being like, this game almost like it's just kind of chilling me to think about how that could play out in so many ways and be so hard to prove to someone right like the burden of proof is always on the the abusee like well you know he he knows that I that I have been really looking forward to learning how to I'm trying to think of an example learning how to 
<laughs> crochet. I don't know why that's in my head. <laughs> the grandma activity. You need activity. to get her some needles and yarn for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter does it. She's so much more domesticated than her mom. Um, so so a, a, a wife who's like into a new hobby and really proud of it. And then, then she's showing it to people and he's around and he's, he's making fun of it. And he's saying, oh, that turned out, that just turned out ugly. Like, why do you, why are you like that? Why are you proud of that? Like those tiny little ways that you can make a person feel less human added up into the whole breadth of a relationship. How do you explain that to someone? How do you show someone what it's like to feel constantly degraded and the things you love and enjoy and and your your gifts and everything just being chiseled out one by one anyways that just that that last one I feel like was just like a culmination of of just imagining how hard that would be on a human spirit Mm. that's so good Lauren and just thank you for sharing those points I just want to give a little reminder or caveat as we're wrapping up this episode that a lot of this information may be familiar, may be a little surprising, but you're starting to notice that maybe some of these abusive patterns or behaviors are in your marriage. And I would just suggest that you don't take this information, just go and confront your spouse with this information directly. But I would encourage you to continue to get more information, reach out to people or organizations that deal with domestic violence and talk with them about your options, about possibilities of what you can do, a plan, whether it's confronting or getting out of the relationship in a way that is safe for you, your kids, because ultimately your safety is most important. We just suggest to be cautious with just confronting a spouse with this information and accusing them of, of abuse because that can could make things worse. So we just, again, just suggest to reach out to a domestic abuse hotline, domestic abuse ministries, organizations that know how to deal with these situations and can help walk you through these difficult options and choices. Yes. Thank you so much for saying that. It's so important that safety is prioritized and just highly encourage you to be cautious and mindful about how you proceed. Heather, thank you for sharing those eight. We are going to have you back to share the rest. So what's there? Five, five more, right? Five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there's, there's five more that we'll cover and just some kind of a conversation about this that will continue. So uh, thank you so much for your time now. And we audience just look out for the next episode where we will share the last five of the patterns and systems of abuse. Thank you. While it is a joy to provide our podcast content as a source of life enrichment, please note that information shared is not intended to replace or contradict any professional therapy or medical advice.